passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. How are you now? How are you? How's everybody doing? Hope everybody's staying warm. It's pretty cold out here right now in southern New Brunswick. I shouldn't fucking say that because it's going to get way colder pretty soon. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake. And this episode has a risk of going a little long because there's a lot that I want to talk about when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens and their visiting Calgary Flames game on Tuesday night at the Bell Center. Um, There's a lot to get to, and so what I'll do is I'll probably try to keep the recap reasonably short, uh, and then that way we can get to the items of interest at the very least uh, that I think people are going to want to hear about. I don't know, maybe they do want to hear about it, maybe they don't, but at any rate, I'm going to tell you about it, but first... The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are also all in full swing, and Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Like I said, we're going to get, we're going to start this recap and we're going to try to get through it relatively quick. So, Flames are in town, and uh, they are a struggling team to start this season. But the Habs have been, I would argue, definitely better than them. So I was expecting the Habs to look like the better team, and they do look like the better team, particularly for the first four minutes of this game, hemming the Flames in seemingly at will. But then Calgary seemed to wake up and fight back a little bit, and we get a good back-and-forth period there. Habs got a power play, and it didn't go. The Flames got a power play. It also didn't go. Um, good action, but no scoring. We go to the second period with a clean sheet here for both teams. And the Habs are looking dominant for the first minute or two of the second period, but it doesn't matter. This is hockey. You make one mistake and it's in your net. The mistake they made was they just let Nazem Kadri walk into the zone. He spins and shoots in the high slot and he beats Samuel Montembeau. It's one nothing for the Flames, but the Habs don't let that get them down. They come right back. Uri Slavkovsky with a great curl into the boards in the offensive zone creates some space for himself finds uh, Christian Dvorak behind the net. Christian Dvorak goes out the other side to Gustav Lindstrom, and he fires one off a flame and in. It's 1-1. We're all tied up. Later in the period, 
scary moment, okay? Caden Gooley gets tied up on the draw with Elias Lindholm, and Elias Lindholm's skate ends up coming up and hits him right in the mouth. Uh, particularly considering recent events, that was a very scary thing to see. Luckily, Caden Gooley was fine. He was out for his next shift, and he had a dominant next shift as well. But unfortunately, here come the Flames. Um, offensive zone draw with just under seven minutes to play. Connor Zary is just not covered whatsoever in front of the net. Um, what's his name? Rasmussen finds him out front, and it's two to one. And the Habs get a late power play chance in the second period, but they can't convert, so they go to the third, down a goal, and they need something quick, but they do not get it. Uh, it's actually, actually, just under five minutes in, uh, they have trouble clearing the net, and there's a shot from Lindholm on the half wall, and Andrew Majapani uh, cleans it up, puts it in, but wait, the Montreal Canadiens challenge for offside. The offside challenge has been a nemesis of the Montreal Canadiens so far this season, and this time it works for them. It was, in fact, offside on the entry. The goal is called back, and we're back to 2-1. to one. We have an opportunity here. The Habs are starting to get chances again, but they just can't get any through. They get a golden opportunity with about eight minutes left on the clock. Nazem Kadri takes a boarding penalty, and Cole Caulfield had the best opportunity, but he missed the net from a very bad angle. He's cursed. He's, he's just cursed, and more on that uh, after the recap. We get a horseshit call on Brendan Gallagher late in the game. They call him for tripping. Elias Lindholm just backed into the net and tripped over the net, but the ref outside of the zone somehow decided that was a trip on Gallagher. They call a makeup call on um, on Mangiapane for interference afterwards, but the damage was done. There was very little time left in the game. Josh Anderson got robbed by Jacob Markstrom uh, during 4-on-4 play, technically 5-on-4 because they had pulled Samuel Montembeau. Uh, to get the extra skater and uh, they get some six on four going at the end they get a few chances but Jacob Markstrom stood tall for the Flames and the Habs couldn't get any clean looks your final score is two to one in favor of the Calgary Flames ah man well I managed to get through the recap in five minutes at least so there's a positive for you maybe that's your silver lining of the night um Look, the, the first thing I want to talk about is the, the ghoulie situation there with him getting hit in the face with a skate. Everybody in the NHL needs to start wearing neck guards. They need to mandate it. Um, that, that was too close for comfort. We all saw what happened to Adam Johnson. If you haven't seen the video, I don't recommend that you go look at it. Um, and in fact, it was announced today that Matt Petgrave got actually arrested by British police um, under suspicion of, I think, manslaughter, they said. So they haven't actually charged him, but they might charge him. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't really want to comment on a legal situation uh, in a country whose laws I, I don't fully understand. Um, all I want to say is we saw what can happen. It's it's a very fast sport. Uh, it's gotten faster and faster over the years, and I, I think everybody should be wearing neck guards. I played hockey pretty much my whole life up until I was about 23 years old. Uh, I always wore a neck guard, um, even when I played in leagues that didn't explicitly require me to wear a neck guard. Um, I, I always wore one anyways because it was something that my, my dad always said that you had to put it on. And my mom would have killed me if I tried to go out for a game uh, without a neck guard on. And I, I just don't understand why people don't wear it. I, it, it doesn't restrict you. you. You really don't feel it out there. You get used to it. Thomas Placanich played his whole career with a turtleneck. If, if he can be super successful in the NHL, one of the best defensive forwards that we've seen in the Montreal Canadiens uh, history, or at least in recent history, um, if he can be successful, then I think anybody can be successful with something around their neck. I am begging the NHL, you know, make it mandatory. Start putting neck guards on. The last thing that we need is, is to see another incident like that uh, in hockey in general, certainly the NHL that we all love to watch. We don't want to see that happen to anybody. We don't want to see anybody, you know, taken from us as a result of a freak accident. Um, and that was a, a freak accident for sure. The the play with 
Lindholm, he had no intention to do that. He was tangled up with Gooley, and then Gooley's leg kind of swept forward, and he just he fell forward, and his skate came up. Luckily, it was the boot, I think, that hit Gooley more than anything. If it was the blade, he could have had a horrific injury there, if not worse. So, you know, neck guards, man. Um, I, I think everybody should wear them. And uh, that's my thought. Now, on to the game itself. But before I get to the, the game part, I do want to talk about the ceremony that they had before the game. Because we were talking about it in the EOTP Slack chat, and I really don't like it. I don't like that we had to have a ceremony for Pierre Turgeon. Nothing against him. He was a great player. He played two and a half seasons for the Montreal Canadiens, though. And just because he wore the C on his jersey, which I would argue he shouldn't have had it. It should have gone to Vincent Danfus earlier than it ended up actually going to him after Pierre Turgeon, Turgeon uh, left the organization. Um, I don't see why we're having a ceremony. If you want to put him in the Ring of Honor, sure. But why do we need to have a ceremony before the game for a guy that played two and a half seasons, didn't win any cups? I don't get it. If his name was Pete Sturgeon, would we be having this ceremony? Ask yourselves that question. I don't know. So not a big fan of that. Not a big fan of delaying the game for a guy that played two and a half seasons in Montreal. Um, And large parts of the fan base probably don't remember uh, his time with the team. So, eh. Not a big fan of that. Uh, I'm going to stop the rant there, though, when it comes to that, because there's a lot in that game that I want to get to. And before I start talking about individual performances or anything, I want to make it super clear for anyone who was frustrated watching that game. I feel your pain. That was an extremely frustrating game to sit through. And why was it so frustrating? Because the Habs were the better team by a significant enough margin that you could say, play that game 100 times. The Habs are probably winning 90 of them. I, I really think it, it, it's nine times out of ten they're they're winning that game. They had 54.81% of the shot attempts at five on five. They had 55.81% of the scoring chances for at five on five. They had 53.33% of the high danger scoring chances at five on five. And expected goals for were 53.53% in favor of the Montreal Canadiens. They got goalied by Jacob Markstrom, and they were also unlucky. They hit some posts. Cole Caulfield, I said it in the recap, he's cursed. Do you want to know how many shots on goal Cole Caulfield had? Let me go double check because it was eight when I last checked. And I'm just going to take a look right now and see how many did he finish with. It was eight in all situations on goal. As for attempts, Cole Caulfield, he had 11 attempts, eight of them on goal. He's cursed. I don't know what gods he angered but he cannot put it in the net right now. And it's not for lack of trying. Individual high danger scoring chances, he had three. So three of his eight shots on goal were high danger. Or three of his eight, uh, three of his 11 attempts on goal were high danger chances. This is a player who normally excels at putting the puck in the back of the net and he's just snake bitten. And it's not like he's playing bad. He's actually playing very good hockey. He looks dangerous almost every shift. Um, I'm tempted even to call him the silver lining of the night with how good he looked in most of his shifts in that game. But it's it's hard to give it to him because at the same time, it was just so frustrating to watch him get these opportunities and fail to put them in. I, I think they, they need to stay the course with him. They need to just tell him, keep doing exactly what you're doing because eventually that puck is going to start going in. There's, there's no shot that a shooter as accomplished as him is going to continue to struggle to score if he's putting that much rubber on the net. It, eventually, regression comes for everything, right? And right now, his shooting percentage is absurdly low. It's going to regress back to the mean. And what that is for him right now is a positive because it's going to mean considerably more pucks going in the net. Um, 
that's about all I can say. Um, however, they're, they, they need to take a look at, at their lines. But before I get to my issue with some of the configurations that they're running out there, uh, I do want to give you your silver lining of the night. And it's kind of hard to find one in that game. But for me, it was Arbor Jackeye. Arbor Jackeye made some great plays in that game. Um, he was uh, he was very reserved, so he didn't take any penalties, which he had a few opportunities uh, where he was jousting with guys where I thought, ooh, he might take one here, and he didn't. Uh, he was stealing pucks in the neutral zone. He stole one at one point when the Habs really needed a line change and then carried it into the offensive zone all on his own uh, and took a hit in order to make the play and put the puck in deep. Uh, this was one of the better games that I've seen from Arbor Jackeye in his time with the team and uh, re- really hoping that that's you know, a sign of things to come from him. And they saddled him with Gustav Lindstrom in that, in that game as well, which is not an easy task to take a guy who has barely played in the NHL this season. And um, it doesn't matter who you're playing against, whether it's the Flames, even if it's the Sharks, it's not easy to take a guy who's barely played this season on your as your partner and uh, try to have a good game. So... He managed to do that, and uh, I thought they were really impressive. I thought he was particularly impressive out of those two. I thought he really helped carry uh, Gustav Lindstrom at times in that game. I know Lindstrom had a goal, uh, so you can call that a silver lining as well, a really nice moment for him. Um, but I, I felt like Arbor Jackeye was the was the key to that pair's success in that game, and uh, I, I really, really enjoyed what he was bringing out there. So Arbor Jackeye, your silver lining of the night. Take from that what you will. There are still some issues. Um, as good as that game was overall as a team, as much as they deserved to win it, they still have not figured out what they want to do with the top six. We saw them do another shakeup at the end of the game. They um, moved Christian Dvorak back to the third line. They moved Cole Caulfield back onto the top line with Alex Newhook and Nick Suzuki. And they put Sean Monahan um, with Josh Anderson and uh, Uri Slavkovsky. And I I didn't mind the Sean Monahan, Uri Slavkovsky, Josh Anderson line. Um, I didn't really mind Cole Caulfield up on the top line with Nick Suzuki and Alex Newhook. But Alex Newhook is starting to frustrate me a little bit. I don't know where he fits. It seems like they're having a really hard time figuring out where he fits ever since Kirby Doc left. And that's a problem. Um, I think they are a little too intent on keeping him in the top six I think they need to potentially consider moving him down into you know a third line role for a little bit try some different things because right now since Kirby Doc's been under the lineup nothing's worked with him nothing and it's starting to be an issue that creeps into other lines in your top six like Nick Suzuki's uh, struggling to to really produce the Cole Caulfield is struggling to put pucks in the net I'm not trying to lay this all at the feet of Alex Newhook. It's not his fault that Cole Caulfield's snake bitten. It's not his fault Cole Caulfield puts eight pucks on the net and none of them go in. It's it's just I, I, I wonder if the problems are, are compounding at this point with their inability to, to really come to a decision on what their top six is going to be. And, I mean, you guys all probably know what, what my answer would be. I'd call up Joshua Hawaii and I would sit somebody else in the lineup. I'd give Joshua Hawaii a shot. Uh, either at the top line or at the second line. Uh, But, you know, the team doesn't listen to me until they do. And uh, usually it takes, I don't know, four or five rants at least from me before before it happens. So uh, maybe if I keep talking about it, I can speak it into existence. Uh, But it's just, it's it's clear that they they need to come to the real, they, they need to 
figure out what they're doing with their top six. And as of yet, we haven't seen it. We thought we saw it when they put Uri Slavkovsky in the top line, and then that didn't work. And then they moved Uri Slavkovsky down, and they separated Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, and that didn't work. Um, it's just, it's a struggle for them right now to figure out what they're doing with their top six. And they they have to, <laughs> they got to figure it out. And they got to figure it out soon because it's starting to get rough. Uh, it was it was fun when they were scoring at least three goals a game. You know, when they only get one, it's 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 a it's a chore to sit down and watch that game. I'm sure a lot of you listening felt exactly like that when you were watching this one. Bit of a chore, not the most fun game to sit down and watch for 60 minutes, plus stoppage time, plus intermissions. Like it's a, it's a late night for some of us, and we don't want to sit up and watch bullshit game like that where they're out shooting out chancing the other team and and they just can't get one in um i don't know i don't know they they got to figure it out i want to keep it positive i do and there there were a lot of other good performances uh sean monahan was really good in that game against his former team he he wanted one bad and he was creating opportunities he had a few opportunities of his own um again markstrom was markstrom robbed him actually at one point and um, you, you saw him kind of look to the sky, like just look at the rafters, like, geez, what do I got to do to actually get a fucking goal in this game? And he, to his credit, he tried about everything on this planet to, to get one. And he just, he just couldn't. Brendan Gallagher was excellent in that game. He was feisty. At the end of the game, he tried to fight Nikita Zadorov. I'm telling you, vintage Gallagher is back. That guy, he's back to the honey badger don't give a shit, Brendan Gallagher, where like he's trying to fight Nikita Zadorov. That's probably not one that you that you want to actually see. He's probably lucky that the linesman got in at the end of the game there and didn't let that happen. But the fact that he was willing to go try and do it, that's old school Brendan Gallagher. And uh, g- good news that he's playing that way because that's when he's at his most effective. And um, I've talked about this many times with his contract. They need him to be, uh, you know, some semblance of what he used to be at the very least for it to be feasible. Uh, within the salary cap um who else um i already talked about arbor jack i, I really liked uh yesi elan in, in that game as well um he was making some interesting plays had some good carries up ice the one thing that still frustrates me with yesi elan is not of any fault of his own it's that they won't use him on the power play um as another area that, that kind of needs some work where the the top unit uh, they they move the puck pretty well for a little bit and they get a shot Usually the shots either coming from Caulfield or Suzuki. Um, they don't really have anybody in the middle that can kind of make themselves available and take that shot. I would throw Jesse Elan in that spot. It, it makes a lot of sense. The other two forwards on that unit, they're running uh, Josh Anderson and Sean Monahan, and there's too many times where they just kind of end up looking at each other. I would take Anderson off that unit. Anderson's got zero goals in 16 games. I'd take him off. I'd put... Yes, Elan in there. You can still use Anderson on the second unit if you really want to. The second unit is having trouble just gaining the zone and keeping the puck in when they get out there. So maybe Anderson can help you with uh, some of that speed carrying it in. You insist on using the drop pass play, maybe make him the carrier. I mean, I'm not saying Newhook's doing a bad job of it because he does, but they can't hold the zone. They need another guy that can help forecheck a little bit when uh, when Newhook puts it in deep. So I don't know. That's a suggestion. We'll see if they decide to do anything like that. But the good news is, yeah, Jesse Elanen uh, played quite well. Rafael Harvey Pinar uh, also played quite well. And Jake Evans, really the whole fourth line, had, had a really good game. Um, it's just 
unfortunately, it, it didn't matter in this one. Markstrom was better than anything the Canadians had to offer, and uh, they, they they couldn't break through and get the extra goal that they needed just to tie that one up and, and get into overtime, where we can probably assume that Cole Caulfield would have broken that curse that he's under right now. Um, man, it's it's a tough game to to talk about because it's it's frustrating. I want to yell. I want to scream. But at the same time, you, you can't really be mad at the Montreal Canadiens. They played well. If Again, I, I hate to be a broken record. If you play that game 100 times, I think they're winning 90-plus. Every single game where Markstrom doesn't bring his absolute best effort like he did in that game, they win. It's as simple as that. Um, I'll probably cut it off there. Uh, I want to leave it on a positive note. Um, Caden Gooley was fine after getting hit in the face with that skate, but again, uh, I'm begging the NHL make make neck guards mandatory. Uh, let's try to remove some of the risk out of the equation. Uh, we know it's a risky sport no matter what, but anything you can do to mitigate that risk a little bit, I think, is worthwhile. Um, that's it. What are we running? Over 20 minutes. So c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.